0: Today's scripture is taken from Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11, the New Revised Standard Version. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt. The foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, and they put their clothes on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their clothes on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: The first Palm Sunday was a parade of people joyfully gathered together for a purpose. And at that first Palm Sunday, there were three kinds of people there. There were those who cheered and joined in the parade. These were the people who had been healed by Jesus, who had followed Jesus and who in hope wanted to be with Jesus and join in the party. There were also those there who didn't want the parade. These were the ones who were afraid and ashamed of all the noise, those who wanted to control things and to have things go their way. These were the ones who weren't ready for any change, least of all one brought in Hosanna. And then there were those who were just totally oblivious, who looked into their own small world and never beyond that and locked into that small world, they couldn't be bothered. Mark Miller, that wonderful talented musician we just heard, will be presenting a video for our sermon time today. We'll be listening to Mark Miller's piece, Let Justice Roll, Song from a Birmingham Jail. It's a 12 minute video of song and music joined to readings from Dr. Martin Luther King's letter from a Birmingham jail and with visuals of people gathering together, parading together, celebrating together, working together for justice. As you watch in these next few minutes, take time to reflect on how Dr. King's words might have been heard by each of those three groups at the first Palm Sunday. Those who joined in, those who were against what was going to happen, And those who just ignored what was going on. Take time too to reflect on how you hear Dr. King's words coming as they do, coupled with the words of the prophet Amos of justice rolling down. So let's listen to this video, Let Justice Roll.
2: anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied to a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. For years now, I've heard the word wait. It rings in the ear of every Negro with piercing familiarity. This wait has almost always meant never. Perhaps it is easy for those who have never felt the stinging dark of segregation to say, wait. But when you have seen Vicious mobs, lynch your mothers and fathers at will, and drown your sisters and brothers at whim. When you have seen hate-filled policemen curse, kick, and even kill your black brothers and sisters, when you have seen the vast majority of your 20 million Negro brothers smothering in an airtight cage of poverty in the midst of Of an affluent society when you suddenly find your tongue twisted and your speech stammering you seek to explain to your six-year-old daughter why she can't go to the public amusement park and see tears welling up in her eyes when she's told that fun town is closed to colored children and see ominous clouds of inferiority ...beginning to form in a little metal sky... ...when you are humiliated day in and day out... ...by nagging signs reading white and colored... ...when you are harried by day and haunted by night... ...by the fact that you are a negro... ...living constantly at tiptoe stance... ...never quite knowing what to expect next... And are plagued with inner fears and outer resentments. When you are forever fighting a denigrating sense of nobodiness, then you will understand why we find it difficult to wait. We will have to repent. In this generation, not merely for the hateful words and actions of the bad people, but for the appalling silence of the good people. Human progress never rolls in on wheels of inevitability. It comes through the tireless efforts of people willing to be co-workers with God. I have traveled the length and breadth of Alabama, Mississippi, and all the other southern states. On sweltering summer days and crisp autumn mornings, I've looked at the South's beautiful churches with their lofty spires pointing heavenward. Over and over, I found myself asking, what kind of people worship here? Who is their God? Where were their voices when the lips of Governor Barnett dripped with words of interposition and nullification? Where were they when Governor Wallace gave a clarion call for defiance and hatred? Where were their voices of support when bruised and weary Negro men and women decided to rise from the dark dungeons of complacency to the bright hills of creative protest. Yes, these questions are still in my mind. In deep disappointment, I have wept over the church. But be assured, my tears have been tears of love. There can be no deep disappointment where there is no deep love. Yes, I love the church, how could I do otherwise? But again, I'm thankful to God that some noble souls from within the ranks of organized religion have broken loose from the paralyzing chains of conformity and join us in the struggle for freedom. They have left their secure congregations and walked the streets of Albany, Georgia, with us. They have gone down the highways of the South on torturous rides for freedom. Yes, they have gone to jail with us. Some have been dismissed from their churches, have lost the support of their bishops and fellow ministers. They have acted in the faith that right defeated is stronger than evil triumphant. Their witness has been the spiritual salt that has preserved the true meaning of the gospel in these troubled times. But even if the church does not come to the aid of justice, I have no despair about the future. I have no fear about the outcome of our struggle. Even if our motives are at present misunderstood, abused and scorned though we may be, our destiny is tied up with America's destiny. If the inexpressible cruelties of slavery could not stop us, the opposition we now face will surely fail. We will win our freedom because the sacred heritage of our nation and the eternal will of God are embodied in our echoing demands.